This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Addison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Well, just in case anybody's wondering, Ball State Northern Illinois times seven. Um, Western Good. Michigan up 14 nothing on Central Looking Michigan. better. There you go. That's what we like to see. God, King of the Max. That's what they call me. Return of the Max. A two and seven team against the four and five team. I mean, it's, this hey, is, those, it's slim pickings tonight. I will say this, though. Uh, Western Michigan Unis, big fan. Yeah, yeah. I like those. I like the brown and white. I'm a fan. I got to be honest with you, though. A majority of the um, the NBA City Edition jerseys, yeah. not a fan this year. Northern Me Illinois, uh, not a great place to party. In my opinion, I have mm-hmm. buddies that love it. I was never a big fan. I, see, I had a really good fake ID, so when I went and visited, I wanted to go to the bars. I didn't want to do, like, house parties and sit in somebody's basement. That was all we did when I went there. Just house parties? My buddy There's was something like, to be said for a good house party, though. Yeah, yeah, but like I liked house parties like where I went, at, like Western, because I knew everybody. Mm. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I don't know. We, we could talk about that off the air. I actually think that's a pretty good debate: house party versus going out somewhere. I'd rather this have a house good. party. Yeah, I'm at the point of my life now where like house party is the way to I was go. There pajama, at 20. Pajama, I was pajama. there at 20. You know, my school that I went to, Oregon, was we only had Ryan. You're a, you're a silly boy. Uh, we only had like two bars. So Oregon, as big of a campus as we were, we only had. Rennies and Taylors on campus. Yeah. So there was a ton of house parties. And uh, it was a dry campus, which also was oh, like God. a little bit problematic. Oh, yeah. No idea I, I why and they it. would do that. I mean, it was like, they called it like semi-dry pause, uh, which meant like <laughs> you could have a cup of alcohol, but like pour it out when you see someone coming your way kind of a thing. Yeah. And so there was a lot of house parties that uh, that we would rock with. Um, and, and like they would rent out the bottoms of some restaurant and turn mm-hmm. it into like a pseudo house party, you know, that kind of a thing. But I'd rather do that. It's much more intimate than like just going into a club. Oh, and the bar tab is so much no, cheaper. See, yeah, that was the thing. So though. We, we had like cheaper. boiler room. I mean, I could talk about this now because yeah. we got in a bunch of trouble. You could Google it. But like, <laughs> so we, we had a, I had a bunch of money because I was running like an underground casino in our house, you <laughs> of know? Course so you like, did. We, we had like a roulette <laughs> table. So I wanted to go to the bar because I could buy shots and, right. you know, meet the ladies. You want to be a big baller. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right, we can ask Cameron Smith about a lot of things. We can ask him about the NBA. We can ask him about James Harden's debut with the Clippers. But I'd prefer to ask you, a house party or a bar for you? Which would you prefer? Now, you guys are talking about somebody that, that graduated from Southern Illinois in Carbondale, Illinois. Well, so I know at. my man Ryan knows about what what went down at SIU and yeah. how the parties used to be crazy down there. So when I was there, obviously, you know, it wasn't the party school that people kind of know it as. And when you hear somebody say, SIU is a party school, well, it's mostly for people that graduated like in the 80s or something like that. But, you know, that's that's kind of where my party college life was uh, was birthed at with that. But I, I 100% would prefer a house party over going out because, one, you're saving money, of course. Two, and then it's a, it's a better vibe as well. So, I mean, you don't have to be forced to have a good time because that's what it's like when you're going out somewhere because you already didn't pay the cover to get in or overpriced drinks. The DJ might be trash. Mm-hmm. So it's just so many things that are forced upon you as opposed to going to a house party that 
you know certain people are going to be there. Okay, whoever's going to have the odd score or whoever's going to be DJing, you might have known known them or just have some kind of connection to them. So, you know, to be a more chilled, relaxed vibe. And, of course, getting back to the uh, cheaper drinks in college college days, man, I miss those days so much. Like a double, <laughs> a double shot of tequila would be like 3 or $4. In Chicago, it's about 25 it feels like, for a double shot of tequila. So I definitely miss that. My pockets miss those days, yeah. too. I, yes. I just had this I- incredible money-making scheme for house parties as you were talking about it, which is like the fact that at the bar or the club, in order to actually be able to sit down, you have to have, like, table service, right? You have to buy a bottle. Could you imagine if house parties did that where it's like, in order to sit out on my couch, like, you actually have to buy a bottle, and it's $55, and it's roped, it's roped off. That would still be cheaper and, and bottle like, service, yeah. 55 bucks. And yeah. it's the patio is also roped off. Yeah. Like, you have to be super cool for that. Like, only the baddies are on the top floor of the house. Uh, I'm curious. Let's talk about the NBA cam. Who has been – we can't talk about the Bulls because they already had a players meeting – players only meeting one game into the whole season. So <laughs> we'll stay away from them. Who's been the most impressively surprising team to you? Well, Trista, it wasn't a players only meeting according to Zach Levine with the Bulls. And this is the last thing I'm going to say about this team. But it was a basketball conversation mm. according to Zach Levine. With it only players. players only meeting. Exactly. So when Billy Donovan tried to come into the locker room and said, no, coach, not right now. But I digress. Um, but the, the team that's really caught my eye this NBA season, and it's a young, exciting team, um, are the Indiana Pacers. Like, I really, really like this Pacers team and what they could be. I think they possibly could be a uh, top six team in the Eastern Conference when it comes to playoff time. So you think of Tyrese Halliburton and who he is, and obviously he missed a couple of games because of the ankle. But still, it feels like this team is – one of those just young, in charge, don't care who you are, if you're LeBron, if you're the Miami Heat, if you're the Boston Celtics. Well, let me not bring up the Boston Celtics because they got beat by 51 when they last played them. But <laughs> this is a team that has a lot of confidence and could surprise some people towards the end of the year. So that's one of the teams that I'm looking at. And, of course, how could you not look at a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves and what they're doing with Anthony Edwards? And, man, just the trajectory that this kid is on is – is is I don't want to do this, but I will. It's reminding me just the way he plays, his passion on both ends, and just his confidence level is feeling like a young Michael Jeffrey Jordan out there. And I know we've seen like the half and half pictures of Ant's face and the young Jordan, but like he is definitely somebody that isn't afraid to let everybody know who he is. Um, obviously, with the defensive possession that he had against Jason Tatum in overtime last night after he tied up. Jason Tatum for the jump ball. He's, like, standing over Tatum, looking at him, just, like, daring him to stand up and, and like, do you want smoke or not? Like, that's the (laughs) NBA that I grew up with. That's the NBA that I want instead of all this buddy-buddy stuff. So, um, just off the top of my head, those are the two teams right now that I'm I'm really paying attention to that are young, that have a realistic chance of getting in the playoffs and then actually making some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, and I love that Timberwolves team, and I love Ant, and he's a big guard, man. So I'm looking right now, he's 40-1 to 1 to win MVP. Do you think the Timberwolves are going to be good enough? You know, do you think that um, he would get a look? Because that's a really good price if he continues to do this. Um, and yeah, then I was no looking at their Northwest Division prices are 6-1, to 1, but you got the Nuggets, and they're minus 375. I don't think anybody's going to overtake them quite yet. But what would you do with Ant? Would you look at an MVP, or do you think it's too early? No, I'm looking at an MVP right now. I was looking at an MVP with Ant before the season even started. So on my NBA show inside the uh, association on Stadium Network, like we had a segment where we kind of gave our two early MVP picks, things like that, just because we're getting up for the season. And one 
we were just exhausted trying to find content on the show because we're going five days a week in the offseason. But um, he's a guy that, you know, when we saw his just leap from last season and what he was able to do, all-star last year, gets into the first round against the Denver Nuggets and puts them to work, like average over 30. Then you saw what he did with USA Basketball and the World Championships. And now we're even just seeing just him add another level to what he's been and what he's really shown from the previous year. So I think Anthony Edwards at that value would be a great pick. I honestly don't believe that uh, that there will be a big man that wins the MVP this year. I think it will be a guard or a wing four type player. I'm thinking of guys like Jason Tatum. Um, of course, Anthony Edwards is in there. So, like, those are the two names that, that come to mind right away or even a Shea Gilgis Alexander. But Anthony Edwards is a dude that if he can have Minnesota in the right position and the right position for them would definitely be top six in the West. But then also, if they can try and maybe crack the top five, and I'm not going to say top four because that's very wishful thinking, but if they are a top five or maybe top six team in the Western Conference and Anna's putting up numbers like he is even this month, averaging 31, I'd be shocked if he's not either the favorite for MVP when we get towards the end of the regular season or the co-favorite. Um, so he's just a guy that just feels like he's destined to get that MVP trophy. Yeah, it's amazing to think of what an alpha can do for that team. We were talking about that last night, watching that Timberwolves game going. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's different when Cat's now not the number one and Anthony Edwards is the guy taking over that thing. Talking to Cameron Smith, Bet MGM tonight. I'm um, looking at the futures market here too with the Clippers at 12 to one to win the title. And you know, we just saw James Harden's debut. I mean, on paper, look, there's certainly a lot of talent on that Clippers roster, but we also know that. They got a lot of guys that don't play a lot of games on that team. And then there's the whole, like, I don't know, parts fitting together and chemistry and that whole thing they have to build while most likely we'll see Kawhi and Paul George probably miss some time. What do you just, what do you think the outlook is of this new Clippers roster that we have now? Honestly, if I'm Ty Lue, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged from what I saw last night, right? Obviously, it's not good that you lose the game in the debut with James Harden, but at the same time, you're encouraged because what James Harden is able to do um, more so at the point guard position with his team, right? And somebody's going to have to suffer. And what I mean suffer, meaning in terms of sacrifice who they are and what they bring to that team. And I think that Russell Westbrook is going to have to be a guy that takes a backseat to that because you don't want James Harden playing off the basketball. And when we saw that against the Knicks the other night, he just didn't look the same. Second quarter James Harden was a James Harden that I think Ty Lue envisions for this team with Kawhi and PG. Um, on those wings and maybe putting Russ in the corner or working those baselines um, with his athleticism and just his energy. So with this Clippers team, I can't see them winning the NBA championship. It's so tough trying to put a team together and trying to think that they can just pull it off in year one. Like, I mean, how many teams have tried that and failed? Even one of the greatest teams of all time that we saw in NBA history with uh, the Miami Heat when they got LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh. They didn't pull it off in year one, right? They had to go through their lumps and took their L in that first season. But after that, they were able to regroup and get things together. But it's just too much unknown for this Clippers team right now. One of the big things is health-wise, right? Like, can Paul George, can Kawhi Leonard play an entire season or at least the majority of the season because nobody plays 82 games anymore, right? They'll have their days where they're off and they're getting their rest. But then also – when it comes to playoffs, like, are these guys going to be ready? Are they going to be durable enough to make that stretch run from when the Western Conference playoffs start? If they can emerge out of the West and then have enough left in the tank for whoever comes out of the East. And you're talking about possibly a Milwaukee or a Boston, right? I mean, it's not going to be any easy work for this Clippers team. But again, like, Ty Lue should be encouraged for what he has. 
And it's kind of similar to Milwaukee. Like, once Dame and Giannis put it together, other teams better watch out. And they really better watch out when, you know, the four boys from Cali get it together. And they're really clicking on on all cylinders. So it's a dangerous team to really match up for and really game plan for. But I like what the Clippers have. But winning a championship, be easy, L.A. That's that's not happening for your Clippers team. What are you thinking? You mentioned, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks finding a way for Giannis and Dame to really gel offensively. Defensively, they are one of the worst teams in the league, which as a Portland Trailblazer fan, I could have told you was going to happen when you inserted Dame onto that roster. Like, what are you seeing from them? Are you encouraged? Is there anything that you still have doubts about? Because I look at this team with less depth and, and no Drew Holiday, and I wonder whether they will, you know, regret that trade. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the, the the addition by subtraction, right? I mean, you you want a guy like Damian Lillard that's an elite scorer. He's proven that time and time again in his time with the Trailblazers and in his time in the league, right? You get that addition with Giannis, and everybody's excited, but you got to sacrifice Drew Holiday. And I think people are starting to understand, especially more so Milwaukee Bucks fans, that they're starting to understand how important and impactful Drew Holiday was for that team. Right. I mean, you even see with the Boston Celtics now and how he's just changed that team around. And I think the great thing about Drew is just not only defensively, like you can plug Drew in any position on the court perimeter-wise, and he'll be fine. Like naturally, he's a point guard and be able to set other guys up and, and um, you know, create for them. But then also he has that scoring prowess as well. Like that's something that, you know, how he made his name in the basketball world, but also on the defensive end, like Drew will get after you. And now you don't have that on your team at Milwaukee who's going to be that guy that is the first line of defense to let other guards know coming into Pfizer form or even if the Bucks are on a roll to say, hey, no, this is this is what it is tonight. I'm about to be in your face the entire night. I'm guard picking you up 94 feet. It might be token pressure. I might raise the level up a little bit just to disrupt you. But that's what it's going to be. And I don't think Dame is built like that. I mean, he's built to score. He's built to make big He's shots. He's definitely not so, built like that. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all, Tristan. You know it best because, obviously, you know the Portland Trailblazers. You've seen them time and time again with Dane. But I think at some point for this team, they're going to have to have, here we go again, some type of players-only meeting where somebody's going to have to check somebody, right? And it's going to have to be Giannis. I don't think that it could be a Jay Crowder. I don't think it could be a Bobby Porter's as much as those guys are respected because at the end of the day, this is Giannis's team. So he's going to have to step up and say, hey, Dame or whoever it is or whatever we're doing, we have to make sure that we are locked in defensively because we know we can score and we can get buckets. Like that side, that's the easy part. We can figure that out. We'll be okay. But with Adrian Griffin as their head coach, one of the best defensive minds in the NBA, they're going to have to get to a table and just get it figured out because if they don't, you're looking at a team that, again, could be bounced out of the first round or even make it – to the second round and still get bounced out as well. I mean, the end of the day, the goal is for the Milwaukee Bucks is championship. Anything less than that is a failed season. And you can't slice it to me any other way. Like, if they don't win a championship, it's a, it's a, it's a wash, right? So they just have to figure out of what they want to be and who they want to be on the defensive end. And it's going to be Dame. Like, he's going to have to yeah. try and sacrifice some of his offense to really put more effort and intensity and just more urgency <laughs> on the defensive end. I mean, yeah, good yeah. luck, Trista, but it's yeah. just like, yo, it's, it's, it's what it's got to be, you know? Yeah. All right, Cameron Smith, host of The Better Angle on BetQL, also stadium as well. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks.